0: miracles. We need the miraculous uh, things of God. We need a breakthrough like Pastor Linda where we need millions brought in. We don't need a hundred thousand. We need millions or we need just a property coming into our hands. And who believes God can do it? Amen. I really did feel a peace. And on that note, I wanted to talk to you about this this morning before this morning's tithes and offerings. You know, in the word of God, God is ultimately, if you read scripture, he's a God of covenant which is basically a contract. Are you with me? God's a God of contract. He's actually an incredible businessman. God lays out clear clear things in His Word and clear blessings or repercussions attached to following or disobeying the Word of God. Amen. The Bible talks about the willing and the obedient eat the good of the land. He lays it before them and gives them the opportunity, all of Israel, was given the opportunity as they came out of Egypt to enter into the promised land. But those that were in doubt and unbelief that decided they said they mumbled among themselves and said, let's return back to Egypt. Those were the ones that God said, you know what, then you won't. This generation will pass away, but the next generation, they'll enter into the promised land. The only two that got to go in were the only two that believed God. I want to talk to you about the difference between knowing and believing and I believe it matters in this hour right now that you, yes, when you start talking about God's hand of provision, that God is good, that God will provide, that God has a plan for your life, there's a lot of things that people, they nod their heads, they say, yes, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know that. Move on. Just take the offering, whatever. I know that. Move on. But you got to get to the place where you believe it. You've got to get to the place where you believe, even if the river Claremont imploded tomorrow, you have a covenant with God. And where you go prospers. That if you're in a business, that business prospers. That if you're going to work for another company, that company will see a blessing just because your presence is in that business. I remember that, like walking in that as a young kid getting radically saved and, and walking in the things of God and realizing, man, you carry with you, a, it's like an atmospheric blessing as a child of God. That if you're going to link arms with a company, that company will begin to prosper just because you're there. And you begin to realize the power that the church holds and the responsibility attached to that, where if we carry power and we carry this blessing and we carry this anointing, What we do with our finances, what we do with our time, how we live our lives matters. What are we going to see promoted and what are we going to see not promoted? You have a covenant with God. The first covenant that God ever gave was with Adam. With Adam, here he was, he made mankind and he gave them the earth. All of the earth was mankind, amen? We had dominion at that time. This was living the best life. They didn't have to hunt they didn't have to work. The, the fruit trees just produced fruit. They just ate. They walked in the cool of the day. They didn't even have to do laundry. Come on. Their loincloths didn't exist. They just got to walk around feeling great and free and confident. In the glory cloud, my wife says, there's like a little puff right around them. Keep it keep it G-rated for church. A little puff of the cloud, amen. <laughs> no one's gonna hear about the cloud of His glory again and think of it the same way. It's your fault, babe. The Lord the, the Lord gave God, man everything. We had we had dominion. The Bible actually says even the animals were they 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 just. They they, they they did whatever mankind needed to be done. They would speak to him. They would pass before Adam. I mean, man was living the best life now. And then man let sin enter in. And when sin entered in, there came wages attached to that. And the wages of that sin was death. Man lost that covenant. And the enemy stole that position. And so then we read on in Scripture where it, after this, after sin entered in, men got so wicked in the times of Noah, that God said, I have to destroy man because they continuously think only wicked thoughts. Now, I'm not a doom and gloom prophet, but I'm like, Father, give us a reprieve in our land right now because it's getting more and more perverse as a nation right now where it's like, I'm not telling you how to do your job, God, but I'd like to see grandkids. (laughs) So if you could just hold off before you... Take us all out of here so I could at least see grandkids and spend eternity with them. That would be really great. But truth be told, there will be a generation that won't marry. Right. There will be a generation that don't have kids. This is scriptural. That day is coming and fast approaching with the wickedness. But God said, man's so wicked in the times of Noah, I'm going to flood the earth and I'm going to destroy the wickedness and I'm only going to save Noah and his sons, which they turned out to be idiots anyways. <laughs> Imagine being God. Having to deal with us all the time. You know it's true. You can love your spouse, but sometimes... No, I'm just joking. Sometimes your spouse calls you out for being an idiot. So when he destroyed it and the flood diminished, God cut another covenant. And in this covenant with Noah, he actually said the same thing that he said to Adam. He said to Adam, this is the covenant I give you. Be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion. With Noah, he said, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. The earth is yours. You take it control. You walk in dominion. And Noah rose up. But then wickedness abound. The Tower of Babel. I mean, one generation. And people are t- turning wicked. And so, once more, God had to seek out for another person, a person with a pure heart. And he found Abraham. And he spoke to Abraham, get out from among those wicked people, leave the comfort zone, leave everything that you know, and go to a distant land that I'm going to give to you, a strange land. And he brought him into the land, the promised land, ultimately for the Israelites, right smack dab by Sodom and Gomorrah, the worst place imaginable, a.k.a. New York City, Los Angeles, San Francisco, name it, baby. Seattle, Portland. I heard a comedian say just the other day, he wished Portland could just go into the ocean. But ultimately, God spoke to Abraham and said, I'm going to cut a covenant with Abraham. And he gave three parts of this covenant with Abraham. Number one, he said, Abraham, I'm going to give you land. Shout land. Land. I believe that this matters. We're talking about the difference between knowing and believing. You've got to walk in the place of believing that God has something laid up for you. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that? Not just the church as a whole, but for you, for Dwayne, for Chris, for Mary Beth, that there is something that God has laid up for you to have. And by laid up, it means you don't have to figure out how to pay for it. You don't have to figure out how to acquire it. You don't have to beg and strive for it. You just have to believe it. When he sent the spies into the land, he didn't say, go into the land and figure out their weaknesses so that you can exploit and take over the land. He said, go into the land and just look at the goodness in the land. Understand there's an enemy there, but look at the goodness of the land and come back and report on the goodness of the land. You've got to believe that. God said to Abraham, I will give you land. And then he said, I will give you descendants. Come on, somebody. We have seen miracle babies. If you believe in God for kids and you're barren, guess what? You just got pregnant right now. Only if you're married, though. There will be no immaculate miracle births of single people in this church. We'll call you out on that. That's rubbish. We know where babies come from. We took biology, we're not a biologist. But we know a man versus a woman. Amen. Amen. And we know where babies come from. Can I get a witness? All right. Anyways, it's a tough crowd this morning. Sorry. I'll break you open eventually. Amen. I I don't know what a woman is. I'm not a biologist. (laughs) Did you not see that video? Oh, my God. Who was that? That was a Supreme Court hearing in America. Can you define a woman? I can't define what a woman is. I'm not a biologist. This is the America that we live in right now. How dumb can you get and still breathe? Apparently, pretty dumb. Here's your sign. Amen. Anybody know Bill Ingvall? Tire flat? Nope. Just driving around and the other three swelled up on me. They'll do that. They'll have descendants. Come on. God will give you babies. Precious, wonderful babies. And then you'll thank the Lord for them sometimes. <laughs> and other times, you'll wonder, what happened? You know it's bad when you always, it's the, they go in line is they learn that from you. It's you they take after. Why is it that it's never the good traits? Amen. God will give you descendants. And that was interesting. It was supernatural. And then I want you to understand this, that if God cut a covenant with Abraham said, I'm going to give you land, which is supernatural, I'm going to give you descendants, which is supernatural. When you're 100 years old and your wife is 90-year-old, 90s, year, 90s 90 years, 90s. <laughs> I'm stuck on saying the 90s. 90-year-old. 90s year 90? 90 years? 90 years old that sounds weird <laughs> Welcome to the river I promise you I usually can speak English sometimes you don't exactly it's not like you've got a, a like a nursery you know you're painting at the house when you're 90 year, 90s years old no, oh my god <laughs> I give up 90 years old. 90 years old. I'm stuck on the 90s, bro. Where's all the 90s babies at? You're not exactly moving in this where it's like, you know what? We're going to have a lot of babies. I just feel it. But it's a promise of God. I want you to understand that. Believing yourself. If God can supernaturally cost a man 100 years old to spring up more descendants than there are sand on the seashore and stars in the sky, what can God do for you? Are you with me right now? And I'm building with this, but you've got to understand, it's one thing to know, it. I know God did that for Abraham, but if He did it for Abraham, and the Bible says that now we have a new covenant based on better promises, what do you believe God can do for you? Are you with me? And so then God spoke to him, not only will I give you Land and descendants, but God said, I will bless you in that land. Blessings. Come on, somebody. And the Bible says that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. Thank God for that. Amen. Because you can be rich and be very sorrowful. You can be wealthy and be miserable. You can have the American dream and want to end your life. You can be that person or you can be a believer that walks in the blessing of the Lord where the blessings overtake you and the goodness of God meets you, and every morning you rise up, there's actually peace, there's joy, there's excitement, there's there's just the blessing of God upon your life. Amen. And he says, I will bless you, and I will bless as many come after you. It's a blessing on all of Israel. That the Bible then said in Hebrews that anybody of faith actually has the same blessing Abraham had. Come on, somebody. Now, you got to believe this right now. Believe this, because let me tell you what the enemy wants you to believe. The enemy wants you to believe that where you were born is where you will stay. The enemy wants you to believe that only that which you can earn with your two hands is all you'll ever have in this world. The enemy wants you to believe that it will be struggle, it will be strife, it will be hard. It wants you to believe that you're never going to get a breakthrough, it's always going to be tough, but you've got to step into this place of, no, that is not my covenant. My covenant is not one of struggle, strife, pain, separation, anguish. My covenant is one of joy, peace, overflow, provision, blessing, favor. It's on my life. I carry it. You can't separate, come on, the blessing from me. I carry it because Christ's blood has washed me and claimed me, so that blessing rests upon me. I'm blessed. Too blessed to be stressed. Come on. Say the cliche, rise in the morning. I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field. I'm so blessed that I get three meals a day. Amen. No, thank God for that. Americans acting like you got it hard. You ain't got it hard. That blessing is upon you. But then God took it from Abraham to the Mosaic Covenant. Now this is where Israel grew in massive numbers. They came out of bondage. They came out of slavery. God brought them out of that place, moving them into the promised land, and he cut a new covenant, and that was one of a law, the Mosaic law given to mankind. Now this is interesting. This covenant matters to you because this covenant begins to show you how much God has in store for your life and how living the godly way benefits and supernaturally promote you, and living the wicked way is almost certainly a curse upon your life. In Deuteronomy 28, it it lays out the blessings attached to following the word and the curse attached to not following the word. The Mosaic Law was given to mankind to show our need for God. And it was to show us that if you live the way I want you to live, God said, then all of these blessings will be yours. And basically it goes through, you're blessed everywhere you go. Your livestock's blessed, your children are blessed, your land is blessed. It goes in the fact that every enemy that rises up against you, God will deal with and will be driven from your presence. It goes in the fact that every sickness, every infection, every virus that plagues the land will not be upon your household or upon your children. Come on, somebody. That's the blessing that the Mosaic Law, the Lesser Covenant, gave to anybody that would believe and follow after the Word of God. Now, how does this apply to you? Such a great question. Christ came along. And in Scripture, he looked at the the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people of Israel, and he said, you people think that I've come to abolish the law, but I've actually come to fulfill the law so that I might make the blessing of the law basically be given to the children of faith. That everything under the blessing category is now interwoven into the children of faith that that blessing is now yours by faith. If you believe it, shout, I believe it. I receive it. I have it. Now, in Jesus' mighty name. When you begin to believe this, it changes your outlook. It changes how you see the world. It changes what you think. It changes those pity party moments. Every time you're having a pity party, newsflash, it's the devil talking to you. Every time, trying to tell you this is your portion, you're always going to be this way. You've got to stir up within you and say, I don't believe the report of the enemy. I believe the word of the Lord. And what he says I have, I have it in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. My cup overflows in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, somebody. I believe it. Shout I, I, I believe it. I believe it. That brings us to the new covenant. That the new covenant, the Bible says, as I said earlier, it's based on better promises. Now, walking into the blessing of the Lord, do you know what matters now as a child of God? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, you walk in the blessing, not the curse. But Jesus said, in the new covenant, here's what matters. Not only do you have to live right, and you live right by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Let me tell you something just so you hear it and you don't get anything wrong, mixed up. You can tithe. You can give to the Lord. You can shout hallelujah. But if you're going outside of this church and you're living a perverse, wicked life, running around, drinking at the bars, running around on your spouse, living a reprobate life, guess what? That sin has a price tag attached to it. I'm going to just tell you that. This is the problem. That's why America does its best to pump perversion into society because if they can pervert you, they can keep you bound. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus Christ and you begin to live a holy life and you begin to follow the Word of God and you believe it and it gets in your spirit and it comes out of your mouth, the Bible says that there is nothing that can hold back a child of God. Who can stand against you, the Bible says. Not governments, not banks, Not interest rates, not economies crashing, nothing can stop a child of a covenant. But everything can stop a person bound up in sin. That's why Jesus said in the new covenant, you're going to live right by my spirit that comes and gets on the inside of you and gives you a new nature. Come on, somebody. Who is grateful for the new nature? How many many people once were bound in drugs, addictions, alcohol? Raise your hands. And now the Lord has set you free. Hallelujah, because he set you free by the working of the Holy Spirit. When you came to him in faith, now you begin to live righteous. Now he begins to renew your mind. Now you begin to think like God, confess like God, walk like God. And guess what? Money as a whole is a creation. Man created wealth. Right? The United States dollar was not something that grows on a tree. It's something that man prints. And according to our certain Congress, they can print as much as they want to print. Devalue it all they want. Creation is subject to the Creator. There's a place that you can get to as a child of God where the blessings overtake you. It's not I'm going out trying to figure out how do I obtain this, how do I get it, how do I get it. It's that I rise in the morning, my eyes are on Jesus Christ, I love the Lord, I live righteously, and the blessings come from behind and overtake me. Let me tell you, I promise you this, before the Lord takes the church home, you will see with your eyes those that are truly living a righteous life. Because the Lord will promote them in due season. And when they're promoted, it's for a purpose. The Lord said, I give you the power to create wealth to establish what? My covenant. covenant. You're a covenant people. You can hate everything I just said, but it doesn't change the fact that it's true. You can you can war within yourself. Why? Why does it matter to God? What we have, I'll tell you why it matters to God. Because this world is manipulated by the flow of money. Amen. We stand in Pride Month. Why is Pride Month even a thing in the United States? It's not really not a thing in the Middle East. It's interesting. Where they would kill a person for that. Amen. And the law still states death is the portion. But in America... You find the United States Department of Agriculture promotes it. Target, Walmart, everybody promotes this despite the fact that anybody that stands and says, we're going to pull our money, we're going to go somewhere else. Why do they still do it? I'll tell you why they do it. Because every corporation out there needs money. They're not sitting there with buku's amounts of money in their bank accounts. They need a line of credit from the banks. And the banks tell them, unless you do this, We will stop the flow of finances into your accounts. That's why everybody in America bows their knee to these things. That's why God is going to raise up counterculture to the wicked world, men and women of faith and purity in their hearts, full of real love, full of real love and real honor and humility that are covenant people. And this might hurt you right now. You say, man, I felt like I've lived the struggle of the life. Let me tell you something. If you've lived the struggle of the life, the moment you let sin be broken off of your life and you get your eyes on Jesus and you make the word your foundation, you will never again stop and think about the struggle because the blessings will literally be so much they will begin to overtake you. I can promise you I'm a living proof of that in my life. I wake up and I look at the blessing of the Lord. And Let me tell you, I know people that have more money with me than me, but they're not living righteously. And let me tell you, they're not walking in the blessed type of life. They might have more money, but their life is just one of pain, suffering, and stress all the time. I don't have that. Come on, somebody. And let me tell you something. When I got following after the Lord, and I hope this is helping somebody. I remember when I came to Bible school, I'm talking dirt poor, you got nothing, bro. In the offering, I gave my library card because that's all I had to give. I remember giving a hemp necklace that I made. I was a pothead before I got saved. Hemp necklace tells everybody, you know. When you're a dude with an anklet, you are either in the pride movement or a pothead. Or both. And I was only a pothead. Amen. Okay. Let's just clarify my sin, okay? Know those that labor among you. Let's just get it right. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) <laughs> and I remember giving that in the offering and I gave it my anklet, my necklace, my library card I remember getting the call from the church do you, do you want your library card back <laughs> it has no particular value to the ministry so you can just come pick it up at your leisure and I'm like that was a holy offering to the Lord It's all I had plus I don't even know where the library is anyways i follow this now. I'm in Bible college. I don't have any money. Well, Lord, the Lord supernaturally just begins to provide. I mean, I can go through countless testimonies. Money appearing. People coming and providing. The Lord blessing me with the ability to give $1,000. God speaking to me. Ruining my knee. Can't even walk. God supernaturally heals my knee. Doors open unto me. I mean, talking of just a few years of having nothing to traveling to the nations of the world seeing mass crusades, watching miracles happen. All of these things come to pass. Then I go to college. I'm at Oral Roberts University. How am I going to pay for this? The, the price of the university is 50 grand a year. I don't have the money for that. And then, boom, supernaturally, the Lord speaks to someone. We're going to pay for your college education. If you stick it out at Oral Roberts, if you complete what you start, we're going to pay for the rest of your, your, your schooling. I'm talking about $100,000 worth of school debt paid. Why? Because you're following the voice of the Lord. God told me to go to Oral Roberts University. I got there. I didn't even know how I was going to pay for it. My dad called me. How are you going to pay for it? I couldn't even get a student loan. I had no credit. Credit is such a lie. What a demon of this world. Get a good credit score. It's a debt score so we can give you more debt and keep you more debt. And then you can live in debt your whole life. And then when you die, all your debt will go to the banks and your kids will get nothing. Hey, you actually paid off your house. Let us give you a reverse mortgage. That way we can have debt, and you can just do whatever you want, and then we'll take your house when you're dead. Evil. And I'm sitting there, I can't pay for college. I don't even know what to do. I had to do the walk of the shame, where you're walking, and you're just like, how am I going to get a loan? My dad co-signed one loan. I barely got in by the skin of my teeth. I'm dropping out my second year. Boom, college is paid for. Then within two years of graduating Oral Roberts, the Lord supernaturally, I'm talking, we had nothing supernaturally blessed us where I paid off all my student loans. Then you begin to follow the Lord. Then you start in ministry. Okay, I start in ministry. And literally in ministry, you have nothing. You don't have a following. You don't have a mailing list. You don't have money in the bank account. Are you kidding me? You don't even have a credit card. I got a credit card. But was the first time I ever got a credit card was when we went in the ministry and they gave me a $500 limit. You know what $500 will get you? Nothing won't even pay for your, your your hotel room for a week. You know what I'm saying? $500 limit. You can't get a rental car. I'm sorry. Your limit's not strong enough. I was like, what is this stupid piece of plastic for then? I had to believe God for cash everywhere we went. Finding deals. Lord, give us a supernatural deal in a hotel. Lord, help us. With some of the hotels we stayed at, man, one of them was so bad. They had cockroaches running around in the middle of the night. I mean, literally, I woke up. I felt it on my face. My hand grabbed and and, and just in, and like, uh, and a reaction, and I was holding a cockroach in my hand. And my wife, if she even knows a cockroach was back there, she would get up and run out of the building. If someone even said it's at the back wall. Ah! No, so I'm like, I'm like, I can't tell my wife there's cockroaches in this hotel room. We're going to have to check out in the middle of the night. It was, I was picking them off, I know. I was picking them off my wife, so I didn't get a lot of sleep, so, picking off cockroaches. So then we wake up the next morning, and there's cockroaches dead on the floor because I'm grabbing them and squeezing them and throwing them on the ground. So our daughter, Ellie, looks at them. She says, what's that? And I was like, those are cockroaches. So we go to the church service. We're preaching in a church. And my, my daughter, she's what, four years old or three years old, she gets up and tells everybody, I just want you to know that last night we stayed at a hotel with crack hose. Because cause she couldn't say cockroach. It's like, we stayed at a hotel of crackos. I was like, Ellie, no, it's not crackos. I mean, it probably had some, you know what I'm saying? But it was like cockroaches. So then she turns around and says, I'm sorry, they were crotchroaches." It's a true story. I give up. I feel like all three of those are somehow or another accurate about where we stayed last night. She's a prophet. She just didn't even know it. Out of the mouths of babes and suckles. You got nothing, man. Nothing. You're going to go to the nations of the world. How are you going to get there? We're, we'll figure it out. First of all, we got to get an invitation. We don't, even, we don't even have a passport. Where are we going to go? Nobody even knows we exist. We show up at churches and they forgot they even booked us. Who are you? You told me I could come preach. I did. I must have been desperate. Just sit down. Maybe we'll give you an opportunity if you, if you, if you, if you, if you be good. And I watched as the Lord actually took me to a place. And I guess I'm just, this might be just what I do with the second service, obviously. I was following the Holy Ghost. Took me to a place where I was preaching in New Albany, Indiana at a homeless church. And I know some of you heard this, but it's just always important to remember the hand of the Lord and remind yourself. Pastor Linda here is about to have a new building built for her, but she can get up and testify that there was a time that she was literally sleeping on chairs put together in an old building because she sunk all of her personal money into what she's doing in Groveland, Florida. And now the city's recognizing it, and now there's a building coming, and now they just got a brand new van. Paid for. Cash money. Come on, somebody. You live this life and people think, you know, how do I get there? How do I get there? You may be at the place. Let me tell you something. You may be at the place where you live paycheck to paycheck. I can promise you if you really want to know how to get out of that, I can tell you step by step how to get out of that trap because that's what the world wants you to live in. And that's not what God wants you to live in. You are a covenant with God, but you have to believe it. You have to believe it. And I'm saying all this so that you hear. In New Albany, Indiana, we have no money. I can't, I I mean, I think maybe the hotel was actually covered. But in a homeless church, the offerings were $20, $10, $15. You can't feed a family of five people on $10 a day. Right? And you can't get gasoline to get out of town. Gas was $4 a gallon then, bro. I'm sitting there stressed out. I'm going down to Waffle House and I'm buying a, a big, like a steak omelet every day and cutting it up into four portions or five portions, trying to feed the kids. They're still hungry. They're still stressed. Like, you know, Dad, I'm hungry. And I'm, I snap on them. I scream at my wife, my kids. They're not people of faith, obviously. Don't they know what we're going through? You're supposed to be there with me and help me. You're not even helping. You're just eating food. What's wrong with you? I went in the I went in the van and I was giving myself a pity party moment. Which what did I just say? Every time you're in a pity party moment, it's the devil talking to you. It's the devil telling you, man, this is all you're ever gonna have. Your dad told you you'll live hand to mouth if you go in the ministry. You will struggle. No one cares about you. Your your family can't make it. You might as well quit right now. That's the number one thing. I just want to quit. Quit. I'm done. Throw up the. God's obviously not with me. And then I had a moment. Where I believed and realized, wait a second. God called me in the ministry. I know he called me because I don't want to do this. <laughs> this was not even on my plan. So this had to be God. Only God would cost me to do this. So this is you, God. And I knew in that moment, if God called me, he's not dumb. He's smarter than I am, which meant he knew I was married And he actually knew I had three kids. None of this was like news to the Lord. Like I called you, Caleb, but I didn't know you got married. When did that happen, bro? Why are you popping out all those kids? You know, I got I got a budget up here in heaven. I can only take care of you. You're going to have to choose me or them. No, God knew I had a wife. He knew I had a kid. So if he called me, he called the family. Are you with me right now? And revelation hit me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go eat because I'm hungry. And I was tired of drinking drip coffee. At that time, I was a coffee addict. You know you're an addict when you drink Holiday Inn Express coffee. Just admit it, bro. You have a problem, and you need deliverance. We'll be giving prayer at the end of the service for those that need that breakthrough. Amen. And so here I was. I went to the fanciest restaurant I could do. I got stuffed French toast, I got omelets, I got crepes, I got all sorts of food. And we came back, we ate, and there was food left over. And that night, I don't think my family came to the service. They were staying at the the house because they were too full. Go ahead, babe, I'm a little bloated. I remember going to the service this night, and this was a moment that forever changed my life because we're talking about you don't have to figure out for God how he's going to do it. You just have to believe in the covenant that you have with God. You have to understand that God is good and he's always good. Doesn't matter if you're youth group leader, doesn't matter if seven pastors in a row told you God's not going to bail you out and he's not going to back you up and you're just going to be striving and it's going no, that is not the word of God. And that is not his character. I stand in the back of a homeless church, 15 people, the ladies leading worship and a guy walked in and grabbed me by the shoulder and said Hey, I heard you were gonna be in town tonight. That was the first miracle. <laughs> Cause I was like, "Ain't nobody heard I was anywhere." <laughs> like you a liar from Liarsville, bro? <laughs> heard, heard I was gonna be. In, who, who told you? My wife? Do you run into her at the uh, the, the hotel? <laughs> my husband's actually a preacher. It's the only way. I, that's the only thing I can think. Maybe my wife ran into him at in Holiday Inn Express and he's staying there. He's dressed real nice. I heard you are going to be in town tonight. Then the next miracle, and I drove a couple of hours to be here. What? I'm at a hotel five minutes down the road, and I actually questioned whether or not I wanted to come to the meeting tonight. And I'm the preacher. I was like, I don't know if it's going to be worth it. Tell you the truth. And he said, now I can't stay for the meeting, but I wanted to give you this and tell you that the Lord loves you and he's proud of you. And he took my hand and he gave me a Pentecostal handshake. It's funny how we call that Pentecostal handshakes. They're not called Baptist handshakes. Right. Ever, you ever thought about that? I saw a Baptist post the other day about a Pentecostal handshake. I was like, even they call it Pentecostal. <laughs> if you don't know what a Pentecostal handshake is, stick around here. One day you'll have one. Amen. So where someone comes up to give you a handshake and there's money attached to it. They're the best kind of handshakes imaginable. Amen. Bless you, brother. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah, brother. He gave me a Pentecostal handshake of several just a stack of $100 bills. This guy didn't know who I was. I don't have a name. I don't have a ministry. My ministry page said under construction. <laughs> you still say it. Revival Fire INT. Go and log on to it for updates. It says under construction for two years, and then we shut it down because we never got the construction done. He doesn't know me. I don't have a name. There's no way he could know I was here. And he turned and he walked out. To this day, I don't know if that guy was an angel or just a businessman that heard the Lord and actually drove two hours, but I can tell you this, it changed my world. Because God is a covenant God. And if he has to find, I remember hearing Bible college, maybe this is for people that are believing God for supernatural things right now. It's just a faith build you. Maybe you're in business, you're believing God for something. Maybe you're in ministry and you're believing God for something. I'll never forget this testimony that rocked my world. My father-in-law was going into New York City to launch the largest soul winning campaign since the 1950s of Dr. Billy Graham. It's going to cost him over $6 million. And he needed a miracle this particular week. He was preaching, I believe, in England. Or maybe it was up in the Boston area. I don't remember exactly where. And as he's preaching, he needed a miracle of like $100,000 by the next day just to pay for the Madison Square Garden to keep paying cash. He didn't have a line of credit. He needed to pay cash. He was following the obedience of the Lord. He's at a church, not even that big of a church. And as he's sharing, the doors of the church open up. And a guy walked in carrying a duffel bag and set it right at the altar and turned and walked straight out of the building. Now, today, if that happened, our security would be on that sucker in a second. You know what I'm saying? Like, people would be like, Bob, Bob! You know how it is. The Churches, now you got to have people with like, just so you know, people are packing in here right now. You, you, gotta, you, you try and do something at the river, you will have crossfire problems. Amen. we got to protect God's people. People have lo- lost their ever-loving minds. And so why are we giving away a firearm for Son, uh, Father's Day? Not because we're crazy lunatics for violence. But the Bible, Jesus said, go and buy a sword. You go and buy it as a means of shutting things down. Shootings always happen in no-gun zones. Where there's no guns, then somebody gets the boldness to pull out a gun and shoot people. Where there's a lot of guns, nobody shoots people. Right? Amen. Amen. So just so you know, there's a lot of guns here right now. If you were were thinking anything, this is not a gun-free zone. Security that hugged you wasn't just hugging you because they loved you. They were patting you down. We have eyes everywhere. <laughs> but a guy dropped off a duffel bag and turned and walked out. Didn't stay for the service, did nothing. Just walked, dropped, dropped a the duffel bag. They go to the duffel bag after the service. They unlock it, unzip it. It was literally filled with gold, silver, and platinum bars. Over $100,000 worth of precious metal. I mean, when I hear stuff like that, Pastor Joe, I'm like, Lord, send that angel To my house, to the river, to your house in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Grab this right now. Grab this right now. Grab it right now. Grab it right now. People are going to have mortgages disappear. Hey, somebody. He's going to get a letter in the mail. Mortgage has been paid in full. Ah, That's right. Because he cancels the handwriting against you. Amen. You have a covenant with God. People that have been praying and believing God. Let me tell you something. It goes to standing on the Word of God. Standing on the Word of God. To the person that will yield to the things of this world. They will not walk in this. To the person that says, you know what, I love God, but i got to take this job because i got to work Sundays and God will understand and I'll see Him once every six months. No, you compromise. Compromise has consequences. If you compromise, there's an attachment to it, and you're going to be fighting your whole time. If you stand on the principles of God and you say, God, I want to serve you. I love you. You're my priority. You said make you number one, seek you first, and everything else you would add unto me. So, Father, I put you as priority in my household. I don't have a job, but I'm going to wake up in the morning, and I'm going to read the Word of God. I'm going to pray in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to start winning souls. Let me tell you something. You go out, and you win souls. Even the devil will help you get a job. Say, I can't get a job. Be a soul winner and the devil will line up interviews for you all day long. You'll be a a vice president executive at a bank with a third grade education just to get you off the streets. He's wreaking havoc. Give him a job. My God, another one saved. What are we going to do? You don't compromise. Turn with me in Daniel chapter 3. How long is this service supposed to go? (laughs) Has anybody done the math? All right, we're closing it here in a moment. Daniel chapter 3. This is Pride Month. (laughs) Daniel chapter 4, let me read this. I'm going to go with this. It's a powerful bit of scripture that the Lord brought to my mind. Put in perspective, as you turn to Daniel chapter 4, we're going to read about Nebuchadnezzar, which was the, according to Scripture was the greatest kingdom on earth. That with the vision that God gave Daniel, the top one was Nebuchadnezzar, and that was the most powerful nation or kingdom that would ever exist on planet earth, and after that, they would slowly decline. We've seen that. No other king has gotten to the power of Nebuchadnezzar. The wealth, the prestige, the everything. The power that he walked in. But he says in verse 1 of ch- Daniel chapter 4, it says the king, King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to every people, to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the most high God has performed for me. How great are his signs? How powerful his wonders? His kingdom will last forever and his rule through all generations. This is his word going forth. The most powerful man on earth is giving glorify glorifying the Lord. Why? I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity, but one night I had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. If you were to keep reading, the dream is basically where the Lord reveals to Daniel that God is going to humble King Nebuchadnezzar. He was going to drive him out of his own kingdom, out of his own castle or palace, and for seven years he was going to be insane living amongst the wild animals and eating the grass of the ground. And if you read, keep reading, verse 26, it says, All these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon, and as he looked out across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. While these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he so chooses. Come on. Verse 34, after this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned. I praised and worshiped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting. His kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? When my sanity returned to me. So did my honor and glory and my kingdom. My advisors and my nobles sought me out. I was restored as the head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the King of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. Humble the proud. Let me tell you something going on right now. There is wickedness in this land. We have never... Because of the advancement of technology, surgery, crazy things. I was talking to a preacher the other day, and he said a woman, woman came to him and said, I was a man, and I got surgery back in the 80s, and I became a woman. I've been married to my husband for many years. He's a pastor. He's dying of cancer. And I want to come clean and tell him that I am actually a man. Should I tell my husband who I am? The pastor's like, man, there's nowhere in Scripture that prepares you for this. And they did not have that class at Bible college. I went. I just want you to hear this, because this is where we're going. Never has a generation faced more compromise, more delusion, more deceit than this generation is facing right now. And the pride movement, the LGBTQIA+, there are ultimately, hear me in this, good people wrapped up in that, that God loves and has a plan of redemption and restoration. If God can restore a lung that collapsed, God can restore a body that's been mutilated from sex-affirming change, and restore them back to their identity. I believe that God can do that. And I believe in this hour, get ready, we will see a move of God shake this, this particular group of people. Not all of them are, are too far gone. God is a God of grace and restoration. Amen. But in the very sense that it's not, the pride movement is not let just let embrace us or love us. It is an absolute grooming of perversion. At its base level, There should never, ever, 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 period, ever be a dude dressed up as a woman dancing provocatively in front of a little kid and saying that that's not grooming. If you do that, even though we're saved, you may lose appendages. Appendages? We might help you with your gender reaffirming surgery. I'm not telling you that it's going to be sanitary. But we'll help. Why? Because it raises up a righteous indignation. And people say, you shouldn't be that way. What would Jesus do? Jesus said, if you pervert a little kid, it would be, you will have a millstone tied around your neck and cast into the ocean. There's a special place in hell for a person that perverts a young kid. Now, that doesn't just go for the LBGTQIA. You know, you got to learn that, you know, Plus. I always throw the plus because who knows what they're... And you know what? Just for the record, I don't actually know what half those letters stand for. You lost me at LGB. The B is bisexual. Come on, stay with the times, Dwayne. Go ahead and put up the graph. No, just... Now, when you carry the one and so you attract the other one, it still doesn't make sense. Okay, we don't know. That's why the plus sign's there. It's perversion. Now, I, I'm, I read this scripture because I believe that ultimately, watch what God will do. Those that pervert, those that try and be the place of God, and that's what it is. You're trying to be God. God scattered them in the Tower of Babel when they tried to take the place of God. And you're trying to tell that you have power over creation and you can change things. You do not. Watch God humble the proud. And any government that tries to stand for it, watch God topple that government. That's why I started with covenant because you got to believe if America's going to allow this to go on, you can watch the fall of America. America will be no more. And just so you know, it's not that God, God doesn't love America. God loves the American people. Forget the nation. Nations rise and nations fall. Nebuchadnezzar said it. He raises kings up and he brings kings down. doesn't matter what flag is flying over your head. The only flag that matters is the Lord Jehovah Nisi, your banner. The flag of truth that's over your household. As for me and my house, the blood is on the doorpost. A thousand can fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand. That's not just death. They might fall to deception. They might fall to bowing their knee to the cabals of this world. But you, you are not a person that bows your knee to wicked things. And it is okay to be a Christian and say, that is not right. You are not insane. You are not alone. I don't care what they pump on social media or every news recorder out there. There is an army of people that say, leave the children alone. Or you might find a bunch of south side of the kingdom people showing up you got to stand right now. Now, how do you stand against this? That's the thing, because that's what I said. In my own family, I have people that lean, that have the leanings of the LGB, not the TTQ, not not all the rest, so far. Because without Christ Jesus, what protection is there for kids? Why do you think we're starting River Academy? Let me tell you something, because they are pumping garbage into kids. Brainwash, manipulate, twist, things that they say makes you cringe. I'm 40 years old, and you hear the things being said to kids, and I would feel uncomfortable in that room. And I understand biology. I've been married 20-plus years. Or not? No, not 20-plus years. 16. Feels like it. In a good way. I know how all of this works. When they start, what they say, it's so sick. And there's a place that people have got to where it's wickedness. But watch God. God is not finished with this generation. And I can't stand here and say that God is going to save America. If America does not turn, if the leadership of America does not turn, God will deal with them. Amen. They will fall several times, multiple times. Stairs will become their worst enemy. And even flat platforms now. Amen. you got to watch out for flat platforms. Amen. Just jump up and get you. I had to go there. I apologize. I'm a man of great character, but that was laid up for me. Okay. Give me that pass. All right. Give me that pass. (laughs) Pride comes before fall. (laughs) Humble yourselves. Under the mighty hand of God, the Bible says. And in due season, the Lord will exalt you or promote you. Church, get ready. We're living in the last day. I don't know how much time we got. But I can tell you this anybody that tells you that they know how much time you got is a liar because no man knows how much time is left. But I do know this that as darkness encroaches, the light must and will shine brighter. And we understand it is not because we're the greatest business people or the most amazing people in the world. It's because we have a covenant and because we're living righteous that God says, I will strip the wealth from wicked people and I will put it in the hands of those that please God. Ecclesiastes 2.26. God made a promise and God is not a man that he should lie. Someone says, is it always about wealth? The only reason it's about wealth is because wealth is the tool being used to promote promote the wickedness and the perversion in this society. So God says, I'll strip from you your God. The thing that you hold dear, I'll strip it from you. It will be like water through your fingertips, and I will put it in the hands of my people that will reap the greatest harvest of souls one last time. And I can promise you this. Get ready. Daniel chapter 3 says the same thing Following just before Daniel 4. Three young kids refuse to bow to the agenda of the day, the golden image. There is a golden image in this society. Call it wokeism, call it cancel culture, call it political correctness, call it whatever you want to call it, progressive liberalism, whatever it is. At the base core of it all, you can name it whatever you want to name it. But when you are perverting kids, when you are promoting wickedness, when you are stealing from God's people and from, the, from people as a whole, when you are literally promoting death to people, look at all the stuff about everything from the vaccine, people dying, people this, one after another. Let me tell you something. If you have not woke up to that, wake up right now because it's not over with yet. If they can get away with it, they'll be pumping out vaccines for everything you can get. Your kid's going to have to have 33 shots before they leave the hospital here before long. When our kid was born, they wanted to put STD stuff on them, on their eyes, for for STDs, herpes. And my wife was like, I don't want that on my kid. I don't have an STD. She said, go with our kid and fight it. So I'm with them. you stop touching my kid they're looking at me like what's wrong with you I'm like you lay your finger on my kid you're gonna deal with me my kid doesn't need that she was born under a covenant household with covenant promises and I can tell you right now my kid doesn't have herpes and guess what my kid doesn't have herpes amen put that in your pipe and smoke it get your monkey pox you can guess what I'll never have monkey pox you know, the Bible actually says to flee sexual morality. I'm trying to close. I know that. When was I supposed to wrap it up? Somebody help a brother out here. I just, I feel like they're lobbing up, so I'm just going to keep hitting them. Amen. Amen, brother. People leaving right now makes me nervous. You know, people are like, that's it, right, I'm done. He's gone too far. He talked about herpes. How did he know that's my plague? In just a moment, we're going to give an altar call for genital warts, herpes. No, no. No, people are dealing with this, though. Let me just say. I was in a healing crusade the other day, and people came up to me. Three precious young men grabbed me by the ear and said, this is what I'm dealing with. Please pray for me. I'm living righteous now. I want this gone in my life. I don't want to get married until God can heal me of this because I'm not going to bring it into my marriage. That's what people are dealing with. You know what? God will heal you because God is good. And when you come to God with a repentant heart, it doesn't matter what stain from your past is on you. God will redeem you. Amen. I've met pastors that were ex-strippers. And you know what? They carry the anointing and there's purity and their home was blessed. And there's nothing about them that is perverse at all. Because though they had that life, God redeemed them, filled them, transformed them and sent them forth. Amen. Amen. People think all sorts of things about God, like God can't use. God can't move. In that capacity God can move he can drop his Holy Spirit right smack dab in the middle of a bar and he has and he does God will just show up boom somebody praying for a person drinking their seventh shot and then boom the Holy Ghost will hit them they'll start shaking you read the Welsh revival bottles alcohol couldn't even be picked up at the bar let that come in America again amen Let the alcohol just be stuck in the grocery stores. People are like, I want to buy it. I can't even lift it. Leave that curse where you found it. Amen. Come on, brother. Drink of the new wine of the Holy Ghost. There ain't no high like the most high. My God. But they refuse to bow. If you refuse to bow, Daniel chapter 3. It's funny. Nebuchadnezzar got so mad. They won't bow to the agenda. Don't bow to the agenda. Now, does that mean you got to be full of hate? No. Let me tell you something. I promise you this. Posting on social media has never set anybody free. I don't care how anointed your post is. It's just social media. People go on there to hedge their own side. you got to carry the presence of God with you everywhere you go. Amen. You love, but you don't compromise. I love you, but it's the same way as a person comes to me. And I've had had people come to me married, dealing with same-sex attraction in their marriage. What do I do? I don't sit there and just think, I'll get that. Get out of our church, you dirty, rotten sinner. No. You lay hands on him. You preach over him. You prophesy over him. And you watch God do a total miracle, and he redeems things because that's who God is. When you humble yourselves before God, God will change you from the inside out. These things can be dealt with. Nothing you're facing or this world is facing is too difficult for God to lift off. Come on, somebody. So you have that. Plus, a person, the Bible talks about sexual immorality. It says flee from it because that's the only sin that is a sin directly against your own body. So we're talking about, I guess, Pride Month. But it's Humility Month for this church. Humble yourselves before God. Do not. Get entangled with the wickedness of this world. Stand on your ground. And even if they throw you in the fire, as they threw in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you will not burn in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar looked on and he said to himself, Didn't we throw three men in that were bound? But I see four men in loosed. And the image of the fourth man is like the Son of God. And when they brought him out of there, This is what the Lord spoke to me. If you refuse to bow, Scripture tells us, those that stood their ground at that time, Nebuchadnezzar brought them out, he recognized God, and it says he promoted them to the highest office of the land. It was never about the fire, it was about the promotion. When the enemy comes like a flood, the church is the standard that is raised up against it. And when you stand for righteousness, the Holy Spirit will back you. God will see it through, and what was meant for destruction will turn for your promotion in this hour. I believe. Watch. Wickedness is a divided house, and they will fall. But the church that stays full of love, surrender to the word of God, humble before the voice of the Lord, following after Him and doing what God says, living the righteous life, God will promote us. The church will have the final say, and then we're going to get the heaven out of here. Amen? Amen. I could get every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Maybe if I have, there's someone left to play keys. I didn't try and go too long, and I haven't done the math of how long the service should be, so I can't do math publicly. <laughs> We're going to do an offering here in a moment. Thank you, Corinne. Right now, as your heads are bowed, up, if you would just pray, ask the Lord what he'd have you do this morning in your giving. We're going to do a few things and move on.